Nathaniel Heisler, and my production partner is Hollis Moore. We are QP3902 members, and this is the We Are U of T podcast emergency meeting arbitration with Ryan Culpepper edition. We have intended to release our podcast later today, but given the membership meeting today, we got an interview with Ryan Culpepper, vice chair for unit one and two, and co-chair of the bargaining committee to answer some questions about arbitration. Our second official podcast, which focuses on CIs, will be up later today, but for the moment we felt it was important to hear something about arbitration from someone on the bargaining team, and Ryan was kind enough to do just that. So please check back to hear our episode on CIs later today. We are always looking for feedback, so if you have questions or ideas for future podcasts, please contact us at qppodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, qppodcast at gmail.com. Just to note, this interview was recorded last night, so when Ryan refers to today, he is referring to yesterday, which was Wednesday. Today is Thursday, and today is the day of the members meeting. Okay, this is Ryan Culpepper. Can you maybe take us through the events of today that led us to this this question of arbitration? Sure. So the Unit 1 bargaining team met this morning. Um, we weren't anticipating anything from the employer. We met on our own initiative this morning to discuss what, uh, what we would want to put on the table for settlement to the employer. Uh, in the midst of our meeting, we got contacted by the mediator, the provincial mediator, who told us he had a document from the employer that he wanted to bring to us. So he came into our meeting, uh, and he brought us a, an email saying that, uh, you know, an email request from the employer that the union agreed to enter into binding arbitration and return to work tomorrow. And there was a 5 o'clock p.m. deadline on that decision. So uh, we considered that. We didn't feel that we had the mandate to agree to arbitration. We felt that most of the members of Unit 1 had never even heard the words arbitration come out of our mouth, uh, and that it would seem like kind of swooping down into the process and imposing something new. Moreover, we were like in the midst of putting together what we thought was a very strong offer for settlement. And so instead of responding to the arbitration request, we instead gave the mediator our proposal for settlement uh, on the grounds that there's no reason to go to arbitration if the employer, like, you know, both parties, of course, would prefer to have a negotiated settlement. And so we thought we would give more effort to that. So we we sent through the mediator our proposal for settlement. Uh, The employer, so we heard nothing then from the employer until around 4 o'clock p.m., maybe it was a little before 4 and then we got a very quick response that said, you know, one, the employer does not accept your proposal. Two, the employer's offer for, inter- uh, for binding arbitration <laughs> is still on the table until 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, and then we learned that the employer was holding a press conference at 4 o'clock where they would be announcing this and, and sort of like challenging the union to join them in binding arbitration. So it all kind of happened like very quickly at the end of the day. And, of course, we responded that we could not. As we had told them earlier in the day, we didn't have the mandate as a bargaining team to make that decision uh, without without membership consultation and direction. So we agreed by 5 o'clock, and they've now 
they've given us a, they've given us until tomorrow uh, at 8 p.m. So that's why we'll be having a membership meeting tomorrow afternoon to discuss the question of arbitration. Uh, so, as you mentioned, most of our membership will not have even heard the words arbitration up until now. Can you maybe tell us what what does arbitration look like? Yeah, I mean, arbitration is actually quite common for uh, public sector unions, even many QP locals, especially those that are deemed essential services like nurses and paramedics and home care workers that don't have strike rights. They go to binding arbitration every time they bargain. And it essentially means that, uh, that when you and the employer come to an impasse, some point at which you just cannot bargain beyond the sides have drawn their lines in the sand and they're not willing to move past them. You refer the question to a provincially appointed arbitrator uh, and, and then the arbitrator will make a ruling. And there are different kinds of arbitration. So in some cases, the arbitrator will try to come to like a middle ground between the parties. In some cases, the, both parties will make an offer and the arbitrator will just choose one. So it's sort of like winner take all. There's also binding and non-binding arbitration. So sometimes the parties will ask for non-binding arbitration, like we just can't, can't see our way out of this impasse. But if the arbitrator, maybe the arbitrator can help us and give us an offer we can both then decide on. And, or binding arbitration, which is like once the arbitrator decides, that is the agreement. Um, it's not very common in the university sector, which is our sector, except for the weird exception that is our own faculty association, ATSA, because they're not unionized, they don't have strike rights. They also do binding arbitration nearly every time that they bargain. And also people who were familiar with the 2009 strike at York, 3903, that strike ended with, with binding arbitration, um, which actually ended up being quite favorable to the union. They got a pretty good collective agreement out of that arbitration. So do you know before going into it whether this arbitration will be final offer or some reasonable middle ground? We're, we are seeking clarification on this right now uh, with our legal counsel, but our understanding is that it's going to be interest arbitration, which is like the winner take all. Basically, both sides will submit a proposal and the arbitrator will choose one. In final offer, which mm -hmm. are the offers that they'll consider? For instance, uh, will the tentative agreement that we just voted down be in any way part of this arbitration? employer has told us through the mediator today that the offer we just turned down is is the offer they will bring to arbitration so they will not they're not seeking rollbacks arbitration that's what they're bringing our union has made structural change as in per member guarantees a sticking point we're right. stuck to our guns insisting that the employer write it down how right. possible is this outcome in the context of arbitration? Like, I don't want to speak too confidently about what a ruling could look like in arbitration because that would be silly. And, you know, arbitration, going to arbitration is a risk, and you don't know what the arbitrator will decide. That said, I mean, I believe we're actually in quite a strong position to go into arbitration if that's what we decide to do. The reason I say that is that we rejected a deal last weekend, and the deal had these kind of lump sum funds that did not specify what the value per member was. But after we rejected the deal, the employer went public with the, with the value of the funds and all of their documents to 
UFG faculty and dean and students and their statements to the media were all basically like, we offered the union 17.5 in funding and 50% domestic tuition rates and the union turned it down. So arbitrators will look not only at the language of the proposals, but also at the intent of the parties. And I believe that if we go to arbitration and the arbitrator looks at all of that kind of like contextual evidence and says, look, like the union is asking for 17.5 per person and 50% domestic tuition rates per person. And the employer has publicly said repeatedly that that's what they intended to give the union. And the employer's offer does not make that clear. And the union's offer does make that clear. I, I, I think we stand a good chance of having our offer accepted by the arbitrator. So that's why we would go to arbitration, in your opinion? That's an, that is an argument for going to arbitration, like that we could do well there, and that we don't know that we could get the employer to agree to that through negotiations. I mean, does the logic work the same way that, I mean, the employer can go in and say, look, we have had two offers submitted to QP, their bargaining team said it was fine, their membership by a slim majority voted it down. Mm -hmm. It's clear that our offer is good enough. I mean, I would be surprised if an arbitrator would look at a deal that has already been turned down by members and say that she or he would feel right about imposing a deal that members already rejected. So like the number one principle arbitrators are supposed to follow is the principle that's called replication. Like, so the parties are at an impasse for whatever reasons, there may be all kinds of like political reasons, personal reasons that they're at this impasse. The arbitrator is supposed to try to figure out, like through so-called replication, what if the parties had been able to negotiate a settlement, what would they have negotiated on their own if they had not hit the obstacles they hit? And I think you have a hard time saying as an arbitrator, I think that if this process had been able to play out, they would have negotiated this contract when that contract was rejected by members. It's clear that that wouldn't have happened. Why wouldn't the union go to arbitration? Well, it's throwing the dice. I mean, if the union felt like we can actually, we can actually feel more certain that we will win what we want by staying on strike because we assess that we are relatively close to it or we assess that our strike is only getting stronger uh, and that we will be able to force it, you know, I think it's a it's an odds game. That's the decision we have to make tomorrow. Like, what odds do we want to play? What are our odds in arbitration? And what are our odds if we stay on strike? And there may be many cases where unions decide our odds are better of getting what we want by staying on strike, and that may be what we decide too. Is the university basically flipping a coin to see whether they're able to get the deal that they want with arbitration? Yeah, I mean... The university, like, yeah, as much as we feel like going to arbitration is an uncertainty, it's a big uncertainty for the employer, too. And I found their offer of arbitration pretty surprising. I did not see it coming. Uh, I think this is not how the employer wanted this to end. As much as we're worried about it, the employer are total control freaks. And this is them throwing the dice, just as it would be for us. And there's a chance that the employer could get the contract that they want, but there's also a chance that we could go to arbitration and the employer would end up having to give us 
the language and the structural entitlement that they hate more than anything. Um, so I think the fact that we're even at this place is a sign that we've pressured them and that they are exasperated uh, by our strike and feel like they just don't want to bargain with us anymore. At our last membership meeting, you specifically spoke about the problems associated with lump sums. Can -hmm. you maybe just reiterate those comments for those who weren't there? Sure. I mean, there's two two big problems with lump sums. One is like a practical problem in the life of this collective agreement, and one is a problem that affects our bargaining for future rounds of bargaining. So in the life of this collective agreement, we are certain that the lump sums that they offered are sufficient to give us the amounts that we wanted, the 17500 in top-ups and the 50% domestic tuition rate. But that's only true if nothing about the funding situation or the tuition situation changes at U of T. And that's a big if for anyone who's been around campus for a while. So the way the top-up works, it sort of tops everybody who currently makes under 17.5 up to 17.5. But lots of people don't make the minimum of 15. Lots of people make 16, 16,500, 17,000. So they would get smaller top-ups. But if their department decided to stop giving more than the minimum because the union is now offering a top-up, why would I give more than the minimum if they can get it through the union? I'm going to reallocate that money elsewhere. Then that fund would not actually be adequate to take everyone up to 17,500 because everyone would be at the minimum instead of people staggered between the minimum and 75. And, the, and with the lump sum, there was no way to control against that clawback uh, that was happening, that might happen at the departmental level. So that's, that's one problem about the value of the take, the take on value of the fund. And then the second problem is about like bargaining going forward. And, and um, if you have a fund that is supposed to give a per member value, but the fund is fixed, that's exactly the way our healthcare spending account is structured now. We give $800 per member plus $800 for spouse and dependents, but the value of the fund is fixed. And we overspend it every year so that when we come to bargain again, we have to bargain very hard to increase the amount of the fund just to keep per member value of $800. And we waste, I don't want to say waste, it's very important, but we spend lots of bargaining time and lots of bargaining capital just trying to maintain the status quo value of the benefit and every dollar that we negotiate up that fund is a dollar that we can't negotiate into wage increases or new benefit funds or increases to other benefit funds. So we end up bargaining hard just to keep what we have. Whereas if that if healthcare spending account, for example, was structured as $800 per member, you could bargain it up in a round of bargaining to $900 a member, and all of that liability would fall onto the employer. Like every dollar that we negotiated would be an actual take-home gain. So so it's a big disadvantage to have funds structured as lump sums in that way. Okay, great. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak to me, and yeah, best of luck in the meeting tomorrow. Okay, thanks.